So earlier tonight, we did a game about the military language, and while that game did not go quite like I had planned it, uh, it, it was an interesting it was an interesting exercise because if we think about it, every like area, every area of our life has different ways of communicating. Okay, let's do it. We're going to do another little kind of a mini game here. Wes is going to put something up. There's four words. We'll show them one at a time, and y'all got to figure out what area those four words that the, they go with. Wes, give us the first one there. Forte. You want to take a guess? Loudness, Loudness is not correct. What'd you say, Taylor? You got to figure out what. What, like, area that word has to do with forte? Give us a second one. Pizzicato. Pizzicato is not a game, no. You're an orchestra. It is a veal. It is, a, it is an orchestra term. Go to the next one. Legato. Smooth. Yes, it's music, which Taylor said after the first one. I'm fully aware of that. So, yes. And then tempo is the last one. These are all part of the musical language, okay? Non-musicians, you're probably, if you don't play an instrument, you're looking at this like, I didn't know any of those things. So you might have known tempo because tempo is, is used in other areas, but all those words are very music-specific terms. Go to the next one, Wes. Nickel. Money. Go to the next one. Dime. What? Go to the next one. Oh, I just changed it up on y'all. What? Football is the correct answer. Nickel and, ha- nickel and dime are formations in, in football. I tricked you guys with that one. All right, nickel, dime, halftime quarterback. And then this last one, math is correct. Wow, that was easy. Okay, area, median, reciprocal, and hypotenuse. Yeah, you guys are in, you guys are in, uh, do what? Hypotenuse, I think that's geometry. I don't remember. It's been so long since I took, it's been so long since I took math, I don't remember. Oh, there's one more. I forgot about this one. Oh, yeah. See, math, I totally had to look up. I, I Googled math dictionary because I couldn't remember any math terms. And so I'd like add and subtract. So, all right, here we go. This is the last one I forgot. Object, subject, English. Go to the next one. Verb. And then the last one is Oxford, comma, English or grammar. Yeah, grammar is the word I use, but it's all, it, that works too. Those are, these are. What what'd you say? No, I know what the Oxford comma is, and I'm a believer in the Oxford comma. I care. I have opinions about the Oxford comma. We'll talk about it later. We can, we can talk about that later if we need to. But each of these is a specific area that there's a specific uh, set of set of words or vernacular is kind of a word that means a set of terms that relates to a certain certain thing. I remember when I was in high school, I had my first job. It was at a driving range. And and the first day I was there, I remember this guy named Frank. He was showing me around. We're driving around a golf cart. And he's the one who taught me the word vernacular. I was in high school. I was 16, I think. And uh, I was a junior. I know that. And he taught me the word vernacular because he took me up over the berm, which is a little hill that they have on the, uh, on, the, on the driving range. And he said, this is a berm. And I remember he said, that's some of the vernacular. And I had to go home and look up vernacular. But, but I learned what it meant. And so every, you know, lots of different things in our lives have certain languages, okay, and certain ways of communicating. We talked about Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, et cetera, et cetera. Earlier, the military way of 
of communicating. And, you know, you see guys in military movies, and they're on the radio, and they're, chat- and they're shouting things, and they're shouting coordinates and, and all that kind of stuff. If you see, like, Vietnam movies, they're always calling in airstrikes and that kind of deal, you know, and they're giving out coordinates and trying to... Forrest Gump, that's another one. And so in the same way, Christianity and our walk with God has a certain form of communication, okay? Has a certain form of communication. What? Somebody take a guess. Give me the Sunday school answer. How do we communicate in Christianity with God? Prayer. I heard somebody say it over here. No, no. Again, I wanted the simplest answer. That was Occam's razor. The simplest answer is usually right. Texting only in Bruce Almighty. You can send God a text message. Or no, he got an email. He set up his email section, his Yahweh email, se- email, which was funny. He tried a bunch of different ways. But anyways, yes, prayer. And what is the most famous example of prayer in the Bible? Yes. Yes, what do we call that, though? The Lord's Prayer. There we go. Okay, yes. Yeah, the Lord's Prayer is the most famous, I would say the most famous example of prayer because it's where Jesus literally taught us how to pray. Now, is the Lord's Prayer designed for us to repeat those exact words every day? Is that what Jesus was saying? No, he was not saying that. What he, uh, what he was doing was giving us kind of an outline. You guys ever, like, write an outline for notes or something like that? You know, I preach off an outline most of the time. I don't write every word down. I just write, I write an outline of what I want to talk about and certain specifics, and then I go. So Jesus gave us an outline for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. Who wants, I heard a few people reciting it. I know Harley and Taylor were over here reciting it, and obviously Shaley began to recite it. We're going we're, we're gonna to put it up. We're going to read it together. We're going to read it together, and of course, you can always follow along the U version. It is in there. Wes, give it to us there. Everybody, let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you may have learned that for thine is the kingdom and the power and the honor and the glory forever. That's in the KJV, but it is not in any of the other versions. And I preach out of the NIV, which is why it's not up there. It is only in the KJV. Now, how many of you guys learned the Lord's Prayer in Royal Rangers or Missionettes? Anybody else? Y'all learned it in Missionettes probably, right? Did y'all have to learn it to be an honor star? Probably. I mean, I'm assuming. Definitely. I learned it to be Royal Ranger of the Year when I was a straight arrow. It was one of the like, three things. It was like that, Matthew 7, 12, and then the Royal Ranger code when I was like seven years old or five years old, however old you are in straight arrows. But, yeah, a lot of people who grow up in the church learn this as little kids, and they can still recite it like some of you guys did even before we put it up there. And I certainly have that buried in my head too. But here's the thing. Sometimes we recite things and we don't pay attention to what they mean. Right? Anybody ever pay attention to the pledge to the flag when you say it? Not really. Yes? That's what I mean. Like, that's what I mean. You kind of wrote, recite it, but you're not really necessarily thinking about it. I find myself when I'm subbing, because I still 
I'm still, I, I still only hear the Texas Pledge when I'm subbing, so like once a week maybe. And so I don't know it that well yet still because I'll go like all summer without hearing it. So I, I always, I'm good on the American flag, and then I do the pledge, the pledge to the Texas flag, and I stand there and kind of watermelon through it, and I, I'm getting pretty good at it. But, but that one I really pay attention to because I don't know it yet. So that one I'm super paying attention to. So we're going to dig into the Lord's Prayer a little bit. We're talking about the, specific, the, the sections of the Lord's Prayer and, and the way Jesus gives us this outline for how to pray. And uh, one thing, and I don't even have it up there, but at the beginning of the verse, at the beginning of verse 9, it actually says, and when you pray, pray like this. Now, I talk about this a lot because Jesus will say this kind of stuff all the time. He doesn't say, if you pray, he says, when you pray. If being an option, when saying, when means you're definitely going to pray, so when you do it. Like, like when your parents say, hey, when you take out the trash, remember to get the one in this room, right? Anybody hear that? Now, it's not if you take out the trash, right? That's not an option. There you go. You know, not, you know, and, and so because like in my house with the trash especially, uh, Wes and I took turns Monday night. It was like Monday morning and Thursday morning were trash days, and so he would... On Sunday night, one of us would gather the trash, and on Wednesday night, the other one would gather the trash. And it wasn't an option. Like, I think I was Wednesday, and he was Sunday, if I remember right. But, you know, and on Wednesday night, it wasn't a question of if I was going to gather the trash. My parents were like, okay, when you get the trash, make sure and get all of them. You know, we had to get all the rooms, that kind of stuff. So that's what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, here's how you should pray. Here's your outline. We're going to start right at the top. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. What is the most important word in that, in that phrase? Father. Yeah, because the first thing we do is we're recognizing the relationship we have. How many of you, when you were little kids, your dad come home from work? What was the first thing you do? You say daddy, right? Some of you guys have little siblings that are still doing that. You still do it. Some of you all still do it. That's awesome too, you know. And you don't say, well, okay, some of you are like, what's up? How you doing? But... But, you know, we have, okay, stay with me, guys. Stay with me, please. We have this relationship with God, and that's the whole thing. Is for starters, we, we have to recognize our relationship before we do anything else. Because it's weird if you, like, if you go up to a stranger and be like, hey, can I get five bucks? That'd be weird, right? But if you go up to your dad and say, hey, can I get five bucks? It's different because you already have that relationship. But if that relationship wasn't there, you can't ask for things. And on the other hand, you wouldn't expect a stranger to protect you, but you expect your parents to protect you, your dad to protect you, right? That's the way it works. Before you ever get the benefits of the relationship, you have to have the relationship, okay? And, 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 and this is really important because if you have a good dad like many of you guys do and I did, God is even better, Okay, Matthew 7, 11, and I'm not gonna, I don't have it on the screen, but it's in your U version if you want to follow along. Matthew 7, 11 talks about you are evil. We're, you know, we as humans are jacked up, but even we take care of our kids. How much more is our Heavenly Father going to take care of us? Okay? And if, if, if you're somebody with a bad dad or you have friends who have a bad dad, Jesus, or God is the Father to the fatherless. Psalm 68, 5 says that. It says, for those who don't have fathers, God is their Father. And so before we get into anything else, before we get to asking for things, or we have to recognize our relationship and acknowledge that first things first. Okay, then the second part, hallowed be your name. Okay, hallowed means to treat as holy or to revere something. Okay, that's to recognize the place. Yeah, it's like holy is your name. Okay, we, there's all kinds of songs that talk about that. And, and the name of God is actually a place of protection in the Bible. 
Okay, how many of you guys have heard the song Strong Tower by Cutlass? Right, that comes from Proverbs 18.10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Some of you who grew up in the church, do you remember the old chorus? We used to sing, the name of the Lord is, anybody? A strong tower, the righteous run into it, right? We, I grew up singing that, and, and that's what this comes from, Proverbs 18.10. So we recognize the relationship, then we give glory to his name because his name is, is a place of protection for us, and, and I think we all can agree sometimes we need protection. Okay, the next line says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is is in heaven. What is the point of this, this verse? Hmm? For his will to be done in tr- and for his will to have priority over whose will? Ours, right? So this is like, God, I'm about to ask you for some stuff, right? Like, okay, God, I've got some stuff I want to ask you for. But before I even ask you, before we get to that, just know that whatever happens, I want your will to be done. And that's how it is when we talk to our parents, right? Like, like you, I remember when I was a kid, when I was in like junior high and early high school, I always wanted to go spend the night with Randy, okay? Y'all have heard my, my story. I'm not going to tell that story again. But that, you know, me spending the night at Randy's house was very common. And it always was like that. You go up to your parents. You're like, okay, Mom, listen, can I go to Randy's house? And usually she was happy to get rid of me. But, you know, it was like... there's always that caveat of, okay, you know, whatever you say, I'll go with, but I would really like to go to Randy's house, okay? Or, you know, Randy would really like to come spend the night at our house, which they didn't like quite as much because Randy was a troublemaker. But, you know, and and there's always that subtext of, hey, whatever you say, I'm going to go with because you're my parent. We have that. That's the position we're in. Whatever I want, your will has to come first. So before I start asking for stuff, you have the priority. Your will be done now let's get, you know, to this other thing here. Okay? Then give us today our daily bread. Now, here's the question. When God tells us to ask for our daily bread, does that mean he wants us to ask for a fancy car and a humongous house and all the nice toys that we could ever want? Not necessarily, no. And, you know, it's interesting. This actually is a reference to the manna in the Old Testament, okay? Now, when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they, uh, they were fed by manna from heaven. Did God give extra manna? No, he didn't. He just gave enough for that day. Whatever didn't get eaten went bad that night, and then they got new manna the next day. So this is not a request for, okay, God, I need, you know, God, I've had that guitar for six whole months. I think it's time for an upgrade, right? Or, Lord, my iPhone 5, they just announced the iPhone 6, God. I would really like the iPhone 6. That's not really the idea. This is about depending on God for provision, for basic necessities. You know, the Bible talks about how if, if, God, is making, if God makes sure that even the lilies of the field have their clothes, have their decor, how much more is he going to take care of us, uh, his prized possession? And you know what? When we ask for things, you know, it's okay to ask for things, and it's, but sometimes God, he's always going to provide for our basic needs, but sometimes when we ask for more than that, sometimes he'll say yes, but sometimes he'll say no. And that's weird, like we don't want to, but you know, how many of you guys have seen this? You're in, the, you're in the supermarket, right, or you're at the grocery store or whatever, you're at Albertsons or H-E-B, and you're in line, and in front of you is a mom and like three little kids, and what do they all want? They want the candy bar that they put down there at the register. They all, I know that's, that it's genius marketing. It's why every grocery store in the world does it. And what happens when that mom says no? 
Those kids flip. They lose their stuff, don't they? They just lose their brains, and they, they are totally like, they just go insane. And then you standing behind them are like, I wish somebody would spank that kid. I wish somebody, I'll spank him. I'll do it. Like, I'm that guy who's like, like I always want to be like, Mom, if you don't know how to do this, I'll be happy to show you how to spank that kid because he needs it. You know, I've never actually done that, but I've wanted to a bunch of times. When we were at uh, Six Flags, I almost had to do that at lunch. There was those kids that were over there near us, yeah, I was about to, I was about to fight a kid. But, but, but that's because those kids don't understand that sometimes when we ask our parents for extra, sometimes we don't get it. They're going to make sure we have our basic needs, you know, and God's the same way. We don't always get the extra stuff, okay? And later in this chapter, we're in Matthew chapter 6, and a few verses later it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then skipping to verse 32, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He says, man, God knows what you need. He's got your needs taken care of. He said, instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be given to as well. He's like, if you focus on God, you'll be, you'll be taken care of. Okay, that's Jesus' words. Those are red letter in the Bible. And that means that Jesus himself said that as part of this whole series of teachings in Matthews 5, 6, and 7. And, and he teaches us how to pray. And then he talks, he kind of delves into a little more of this part of the prayer a few verses later. He's like, listen, you guys, God's going to provide for your needs, and it's okay to ask for that, but, but don't worry about all the extra stuff. If you focus on God, you will be taken care of, okay? And so then we get to the next part. Uh, it says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Okay, forgiveness is important. And a few months ago, back in, I think it was March, I preached a whole message on forgiveness, uh, and, and there's a lot to be said about that, but let me just start here. We have to forgive. Okay, we have to forgive. It is, it is a part of our walk that, that is un, it's not optional, okay? And we have to forgive and we have to ask for forgiveness because how many of you guys today were perfect? Lies. Okay, nobody here was perfect today. I was certainly not perfect today either. But, and so every day we have to ask for forgiveness. We have to repent of our sins and we have to do the same we have to do the same to others, okay? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And there's other scriptures in the Bible where it talks about how if we don't forgive, the Bible says that God doesn't forgive us. Now, how many of you guys want to be forgiven of your screw-ups? No, almost nobody wants to be forgiven. Okay. We all want to be forgiven, but if we don't forgive... We don't get forgiven. That's scripture, and I didn't write that one down, but, but it is, that, is, uh, that is scripture. And so we have to be aware of that, and sometimes that's hard. And, and the one thing I'll say about forgiveness uh, as, there, as it relates to that is forgiveness does not mean putting ourselves in a situation for the same thing to happen again. Okay, I've used the example before, but if I have a business partner and he steals all my money and runs away... I can forgive him, which means I don't necessarily expect him to pay me back, but I'm not going to enter into a business with him again. Like, I'm not going to give that guy a second shot at that, okay? If any of you guys have been following this Ray Rice story, you know, he beat the tar out of his, out of his then fiance, and now there's a video of it, and so he got fired from the NFL and all this stuff. But, but his wife is not, does not necessarily need to put herself in a situation for him to beat the tar out of her again, right? Like, she can forgive, and she can be like, you know, okay, we're going to move on. I'm not mad at you anymore. But that does not mean she necessarily needs to allow that. Now, they did get married after he beat her up, so 
apparently she hasn't figured it all out. But, uh, but you know, being in, in those kind of situations or any situation of forgiveness does not mean we put ourselves back in the same scenario. It just means we don't expect them to pay us back for whatever it is. And then the last, the last part of this, of the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. This is a prayer of protection and direction, you know, uh, lead us. That, that implies, obviously, that we are leading him. We as fallen humans, we're drawn to things that are not of God, right? Our sinful natures is to be drawn away from God, but the only way to avoid those things is to follow the lead of somebody who knows better than you do. You know, that's the way it works in, in everything, you've got coaches, for example, that they've been playing the game longer than you have. And so you follow their instructions and you let them lead you to how to be a better player. You've got teachers who have been studying the subject longer than you have. And so you let them show you the way to do it correctly. You know, if I, going back to the math example, you know, I quit math after Algebra 2 pretty much. And so, it, but uh, if if I were to take a, uh, you know, a, a trig class or something, I couldn't be like, here, I know how to do this, because I don't know how to do this. But, you know, I can't tell the math teacher how to do it. How many of you guys have people in your class like that that try and correct the teacher all the time, right? Don't you hate those guys? You just want to punch that kid in the face, man. And so you have before. You've punched that kid in the face. Taylor, are you that guy? <laughs> there are times when they can be corrected in, uh, in humility and, and whatever, but... But as a whole, as a whole, we follow the people who have been put in front of us. And in, in this example, of course, God definitely does not need to be corrected. Our teachers are human. Our coaches are human. Occasionally, they, they, they can be wrong. God is not wrong. And so, so we follow God's lead. You know, Psalms 40, verses 1 and 2, and I almost changed the set list this afternoon, but I decided not to, to the song that we sing this in. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. When we're in our worst, God will lead us through the issues we're going to. He won't necessarily lead us immediately out. He won't necessarily take the issue away, but he'll lead us through the storm, okay? And so we have to follow that, and this comes back to what we started at the beginning, which was your will ahead of ours. God, I have this idea for how my life is going to go. I have this idea for how to handle the situation, but I'm going to let you lead me through it instead of trying to do it myself. If you had asked me four years ago if I'd be living in Odessa, Texas, I would have been like, where's Odessa, Texas? I'm staying in Florida until Jesus comes. You know, but you know what? God led a different way, and I'm happy about that, and uh and, so, you know, because that was God's plan was for me to come here and not for me to stay in Florida. And, you know, it's funny. If I had stayed in Florida, I'd be like the only one of my friends still there because Micah now moved to Texas. Nathan now moved to Texas. Uh, Nate and Katie Tyler live in Colorado. Todd just moved to Colorado last week. Um, the, you know, there's a few of them that are still there, but most of my small group that I was so tight with, they don't live in Florida anymore anyways. And so God was leading us out of that season of our lives into a new one, all of us. And so if we had not followed God's leading, we might still be, we know we might all still be living there and be together, but it wouldn't be in God's will. And so we wouldn't be very happy, frankly, and I speak from experience. Um, because I almost quit teaching after my second year, and uh, that third year I was pretty miserable because I knew I was supposed to be a pastor, and I was pushing through trying to teach another couple of years, and it just wasn't in God's will. And so all of this comes back to the whole prayer, and we've got this outline, but it all comes back to language of submission. 
That's what our language is. We talked about the, the, the way we communicate. And our primary communication to God is one of submission and of giving ourselves over to his will. You know, you, there, are about, there are six points in that prayer, and three of them are kind of about us, about uh, give us this day our daily bread, and then forgive us our debts, and then lead us not into temptation. But the rest of it is all about his will. And even that last one's kind of about his will because it's about following his will. Okay? You know, deliver us from evil. We need him to do that. So really only like two and a half of the six are about us. So most of this prayer is about giving God priority in our lives. And so that's, that's where I want to land tonight is this. Yes, we have a way of communication. And, uh, and this breakdown, Jesus gave us this example of how to pray and, and the outline of of, of what to pray, but it really comes down to, are you submitting your life to God? Are you giving your desires, your wills to God? Because that's hard. You know, we all think that, and, and I've been as guilty as anybody, we're, we all have times where we think that we know best, okay? And I've never lacked for confidence. We all know that. And so there are times when I think that, you know, God, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. I've thought that. Sometimes it's hard to follow God. Okay, Jimmy, if you were here Sunday morning, you heard Jimmy tell a story about, about how he had to go back to McDonald's because they screwed up his order. And, and there was a guy that God was prompting him to talk to, and he didn't want to. It was just going to be awkward. He didn't know this guy. And so Jimmy went and talked to this guy, and, and he listened to the prompting of God, and he was able to share Jesus with the guy. And the guy accepted Jesus. The guy prayed the sinner's prayer that night. And the next day, Jimmy went to call the guy, or a couple days later, and, and that guy's wife or girlfriend said, he was in a wreck the morning after you talked to him, and he didn't make it. And see, Jimmy could have said, you know what, I'm just going to ignore that guy, whatever, I'm trying to eat, you know, I got prior, I got stuff I'm trying to get done here, and, and it was late Wednesday night after church, and so he's probably ready to get home and get to sleep before work the next morning. And, but, he, but Jimmy followed the leading of God and was able to speak into a guy's life and, and be able to share that guy, share Jesus with that guy less than 24 hours before he was going to go meet Jesus. And so, and Jimmy's ability to submit his will is just, it's, I'm a little jealous of it, frankly, because Jimmy has only been saved like a year and a half, two years or so, and he's been coming to church about that same amount of time. And that's cool. We love seeing new growth and new believers, but those of us that grew up in the church, man, we have a harder time with that, I really think, and I do. Because I'm like, yeah, God, I know. I know what you want me to do. I know. I got it. I know. Go talk to that guy. I got you. You know, but it's, but the, the longer we have, the easier it becomes to become desensitized, I think, to the Spirit's leading. You know how they say people are, are the meanest to the people they're the closest to? And you guys may have experienced that. Somebody you've known for a long time can be the meanest person because they're very comfortable with you. And they'll say stuff that, or you might say stuff to them that you would never say to somebody you just met. And I've been there. You know, I mean, some of my oldest friends, you know, at least that I've had continuous friendship with, you know, I'll say, I, you know, <laughs> a couple months ago, Christina called me at like the crack of dawn. And I was like, she forgets, sometimes she forgets that I'm, we're an hour behind the East Coast time. And it was like 5.45 or something, our time. It was really early and I was not prepared to be awake. 
And I looked at the phone. I saw who it was. And I answered the phone. I said, do you know what time it is? That's how I picked up the phone. No good morning. No what's up. No hey, how you doing? Just do you know what time it is? Now, if that had been a number I didn't know, or even if it had been one of you guys I've only known for a couple of years, or I would have been like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? But I've known Christina for the 11, 12 years, and so I didn't feel the need to, to stand on ceremony and be polite with her. I was just, and I felt bad because she was crying when I picked up, when I realized she was like weeping and losing her brain. So that's a whole nother discussion, and now I'm performing her wedding next month. But that, uh, that was actually the conversation that day that she asked me. Yeah, I'm performing her wedding in a month. You didn't hear that? Yeah, so so check. So anyways, that's a whole tangent that I'm not prepared to go down. We can talk about that in, in a little bit. Anyways, anyways, let's not, let's not, let's not have that conversation. We broke up nine years ago. It's fine. So the point being, we are sometimes meaner to somebody we've known for a long time. And those of us that grew up in the church, you know, it's so easy for us to blow God's direction off and to blow off the Holy Spirit sometimes. But I encourage you guys to be intentional about listening to the, to the Spirit's prompting and submitting your will to His. Because that's what the Lord's Prayer really comes down to. It's about, God, your will above all else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would have your way in our lives, in our hearts, in our emotions, in our relationships, in our in our in the school and in our activities and in every way, Lord. God, yes, we know that you're going to provide and you have promised to make sure that we're taken care of and we know that you're a loving father who will do that. And we know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you take care of the lilies of the field and so you're going to take care of us. But God, above that, even before we start asking for things, God, I just pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, that that in our lives we would be just a a little glimpse of the will of God and, and of the desires of God to those around us. That when people around us would see us as a Christian, it would not be as just somebody who follows a certain set of rules or who goes to a building a couple times a week, but that we would be the living embodiment of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. God, that everything in our lives would come from a, a posture of submission to you. And Lord, that you would just have your way in our lives. We pray that you would have your way in every sickness that's represented here. I'm sure there's people who are feeling under the weather who are injured or, or whatever. God, I just pray that you would have your way in those bodies. And in Cole, God, Pastor Todd's nephew, I pray that you would have your way in his body, that you would do your work and your will would be done even as we ask for prayer. Lord, and Pastor Todd's dad, God, the same. God, I know there are dozens of other prayer requests that are probably represented here, and you know each and every one of them. And God, so we pray, we believe that you are the healer, that you are the restorer. And so we pray for those things, Lord, but above all, we pray your will be done. God, we pray that this church would be a representation of that, would be a representation of your will being done in Odessa. Not for the fame of Pastor Todd or of me or of any one person or even of our church's name, Lord, but that your will would be done here so that you can get the glory. And God, we just pray above all that 
that everything in our lives would go to do that, to give you the glory and to give you the praise and to give you the honor that you deserve. God, I pray that as we leave, you would remind us of this, Lord, that you would bring these things to mind when we get to certain situations in our day where it's so tempting to just try and take over and, and, and take the wheel, Lord. But I pray that at those moments, you would remind us of your word and we would hide your word in our heart, God, so that we would not sin against you, but we would be in your will. Lord, I just pray that you would bless each student here. Bless their families, bless their homes, bless their schools. And God, that you would get your way in every aspect of our life. God, we thank you. We love you. And it's in your name we pray.